The Knowledge Series, a podcast from Thomson Reuters. Hello again, it's Ben Firth here from HiQ at Thomson Reuters, and you are joining us for the second part episode where I'm speaking to Jenny Tallinn. Hello, I'm Jenny Tellin. I'm a knowledge management consultant and I work with the folks at Three Kites Consulting. So in this extended conversation, uh, we started to discuss uh, diversity in the face of the new world order that we're working in. People who have or had disabilities or physical or mental challenges and really discussing how that meant they could operate successfully in the new world that we work in and how successful it's been potentially for people within the legal industry specifically that we have a privilege to work in now. So I hope you enjoy listening to this episode with Jenny as much as I did. Enjoy. I'll speak to you soon. The Knowledge Series. What are the, what are the troops saying on the ground in terms of what do they want next? And what I mean by that is what, what are the lawyers collectively thinking about the future in terms of the operating rhythm within a law firm? I think that firms are still feeling their way on this. As I say the hokey-cokey situation where people are in and out. I'm not sure that there's a solution that you can pluck off the shelf that will work for everyone. You hear lawyers being frustrated about, you know, I have got my dog care, child care, you know, old people care all sorted. And I have gone to the office and I've spent 50 quid on my train ticket and all of that. And then there's no one to meet because no one else happens to be in on that day. I think trying to get the tech right is absolutely crucial and being really deliberate as a business about why you want people in, what is it that they're going to do when they get there, you know, making sure that you're using the time in the office really for collaboration. If there's a team day, there's some drinks, there's a social thing, you're going to meet that client, you're, you know, you're doing a task which is way harder or, you know, really tricky to do online in different people's houses. I think being really deliberate about why you're asking people to be there so that it feels inverted commas worth it, I think is important to really have that engagement still. Exactly. So in my world, I look after a team of nine people across UK and Europe, and I've been very lucky. I work in the the tech side of life. So we've always had that kind of hybrid approach anywhere because I, 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 my job is filled, you know, it's through the technology. And so if I can't work from home or remotely, then, then how can my clients, right? So, so we've always had that and that culture has always been there. But one thing that we've certainly tried to now deliver on, and it's two parts here. The first one is about that back to work mentality. You know, we are now looking to come in for minimum one day a week. And that one day a week isn't necessarily to get work done because it's been proven you're so much more proactive and you're so much more efficient. Sometimes, you know, without that that whole going into the office situation. And, you know, if you were to put down a list of 10 things you've got to do in the day in the office at home or 10 things, the same 10 things in the office in, in say, London or wherever you might be commuting to, I guarantee you, you'll have done them half the time at home. And that's just how it is. So what we try and do is as we focus on why you're coming into the office, you're coming in for that social and professional development. You're coming in for that workshop, that training day, for that floor walking experience like I talked about. The water cooler. The the whole dreaded water cooler thing. But the reality is that is a piece that I'm seeing now is is missing from from people coming into the firm. So and there is this concern, and you know, maybe you've seen this, but where 
career progression is now being raised. Well, hang on a second. You know, I'm two years into this role. I'm looking at what I'm doing and how am I being judged and, and how am I looking to progress my career? You know, for, for me, we are measured on activity. And so from a lawyer's perspective, are they still or will they still be measured on the billable hour or how are they going to progress their careers to become the partner? You know what I mean? Because in the old world, a lot of that possibly is driven through social interaction, being the guy on the shop floor. Oh, go and see, you know, go and see whoever they'll help you out with everyone now working at home or more so working at home. You know, how is that lawyer going to progress and how do you think that's going to go? Yeah, I think I'm torn on this one because I think you're right that there is currency in that FaceTime and building your network. I did find myself that you know, I felt like I was on 12 hours of Zoom calls every day, you know, throughout the pandemic. But I really then felt I'm talking to my team to make sure that they're okay and to keep, you know, the lights on with our projects moving forward. I'm talking to the people on my projects that aren't in my team and are in other departments. I've forgotten that several other people even exist, even though I used to probably talk to them every day because I'd go past them on my way to the printer or the coffee machine or whatever. Because they weren't in my team, we actually set up at Stevenson Harwood a Sherachino, we called it because I did like an acronym with the uh, SH in there everywhere because uh, I need to get out more. It was a randomised coffee trial sort of idea. So trying to pair people up, we had 100 odd people around the firm who were signed up to the scheme. You get paired up each month with somebody random with the tech that swizzled the names um, in a virtual tombola every month. And it could be anyone. So you've got a practice group leader, you've got an office managing partner, you've got a trainee, you've got a secretary, you've got a you know person in the canteen or whatever. You, know, you can talk about work, you can talk about your lockdown pet, you can talk about anything. You've got a 10 minute chat, which actually might end up being an hour or you know whatever, you can do what you like. And just that idea of meeting people that you wouldn't otherwise meet and trying to sort of simulate in a introvert's absolute nightmare a water cooler random moment and I suppose you know when I said I'm torn so you know on the one hand you've got that energy I suppose that you get from bumping into someone and oh yeah you're working on that oh actually I'm doing something similar or you can really help me with that you know element of a project that I'm struggling with or I'm bouncing an idea off you and then on the other hand feeling like I don't think that remote working has to mean that supervision models are broken. So people were obviously worried about trainees, juniors, that idea of learning by osmosis that you're sitting in someone's room and you hear your supervisor on the phone call with some tricky negotiating point, you absorb what's going on around you from being next to your colleagues. And obviously when you're sitting in your bedroom at home, then you're not, you haven't got that sort of face-to-face learning on the job thing. I think I had heard a lot of supervisors who were perhaps, again, deliberately, that word again, putting in effort to make sure that their supervision of their trainee or their paralegal or their their juniors was effective. So you're carving out slots in the diary for your foolish questions about, you know, things that you don't quite understand, but you couldn't ask at the time when there was a stressful deadline on. You're sharing screens to go over markups rather than just putting something on someone's chair, they've gone out to a meeting and you never quite get any feedback as to whether that was a useful drafting point that you made or was it right? Did they send it out as you'd written it or did they, you know, totally red pen it up to the eyeballs and, you know, change everything? So I think putting slots in people's diaries to say, you know, you can do your work whenever you like at four o'clock in the morning, in the working day, round your school run, round your dog walk or your 
you know, run at lunchtime, as long as you meet the deadline, don't really mind, put in my diary a slot to say when we're going to discuss this. And again, you know, meet that deadline, however you want to do it. And you're therefore carving out that time with that person to have a discussion about the work that you were working on or the thing that you've asked them to do to get proper feedback. So I think it's different, but it's not necessarily worse if you are deliberate and really work on it. One thing I, I just made me smile to myself is I was talking to a client uh, a couple months ago and we were talking about, you know, how have you adopted this this team ethos of the remote working world. And the lady said, well, obviously we, I'm sure everyone tried this. We were like, okay, what have you, she says, well, one day we decided to have our cameras on all day. And I was like, okay. So you had basically an, an open teams call all day with your cameras. And then I said, how did it go? It says, well, we did it for a day. And then everyone basically said it was the most tiring day of their life because they felt they were on show the whole time. So I said, so you had a screen with six little windows on and so regardless of what they were doing you had the yeah we tried it and i said I'm, I'm probably confident to say not many people have successfully deployed that approach but you know each to their own takes you back to talking to teenagers about you know you're supposed to be doing your homework and you've got a, a call open with your friend and you're you know oh, what was the answer to question two and oh you know what was the geography homework again and possibly you know have you heard this new song and we're gossiping for most of our study session but yeah just that idea of having that you know I've heard people doing that again with their trainee so technically my door is open it's like sitting next to me on a at our desk because we've got this window open and therefore if something occurs to you as you're drafting you can just say oh can I just ask you know when you're on a project together and I think actually that was one of the things that we were talking about at our three kites team day the other day that no one just picks up the phone anymore I know it's frightening you have to schedule a team's call or whatever to have that sort of more informal interaction and it comes back to my I, I have this true feeling that a lot of the younger generation coming through yes they can do the job but some of them are really it's, it's that sort of social confidence of going oh, i'm just going to phone a client oh no I, i'm instead what i'm going to do is i'm going to send an email i'm going to set up a team's meeting and I often think, just phone them, <laughs> just phone them. <laughs> anyway, um, I just wanted to talk a little bit briefly around diversity and employment and diversity. And the pandemic is, has been a challenge for many different things. But actually, I feel it's it's opened some doors, right? It's given some people a, a platform to excel. Yeah. And actually, you know, we've all sat on calls with people's kids and pets and other significant people in their lives, you know, coming in. So I think, you know, you've maybe had this glimpse into the fact that an awful lot of life goes on outside your work. And obviously, you know, for people who I'm still slightly scarred by the whole homeschool experience, trying to do a full time job and also try and teach a six year old. The difference between the numbers one and two and 12. My long division got good again. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I accept that. It was horrendous. But, yeah, you know, seeing there for people's the life that goes on outside their work. So, you know, your caring responsibilities. And I think, you know, the, the move to more flexible working is great for being able to pop out for 20 minutes to do the school run to, you know, walk the dog at lunchtime or whatever. I think for disabled people, I think... 
I'm still quite cross, uh, but obviously disabled people could have had jobs like these all along if you just didn't make me traipse to London in a wheelchair on the stupid tube. I could have totally been a leading person in your team. You just were blinkered to that. So I think, you know, those sorts of equity opportunities, I think is useful. I think there's a real challenge around the flexibility. I've got MS and, you know, that condition has a fair bit of fatigue that comes with it. How do you do a job in a law firm or a bank or, a you know, any high pressure industry sort of job where you're going to be doing long hours and manage your fatigue. So on the one hand, it's brilliant that I don't have to traipse in on a train and use up half my energy uh, traipsing there and back um, and can use that totally to focus on the work all day. But actually, if my workday doesn't stop because I can't quite turn my laptop off because there's a gazillion emails coming in and other people's flexibility means that they are working in the evening because they've had their children to look after during the day, or that's when they're most productive, they're they're not morning people. um, And therefore, there are emails coming in at midnight, because that works for somebody else. How do you how do you manage that so that it works for everybody and that your expectation of your people and their expectations of you as a firm don't get out of hand, I suppose. Um, So I think, you know, that's still a work in progress for firms to, to nail down exactly what that looks like. And I think, you know, there was a generational divergence, I think, with the lockdown. I sort of said during it, we're all in the same storm, but in different vessels. So if you're, you've got a toddler and you're trying to work at home because their nursery's shut, oh my goodness, absolute nightmare versus the empty nester who's got a lovely garden and a home, you know, office to work in versus the person who's got five flatmates and you're all trying to be on the same internet connection and, you know, or that you live on your own and you don't see another single soul except on a Zoom call for months. I don't think we'll really know the true fallout from this in a professional world, probably for a number of years. Yeah. You know, there's this big thing about the the great resignation at the moment and, and what does that mean? And that's an interesting sort of subject to go on to, but yeah, people are obviously deciding one morning they've had enough and, and maybe in a bit like you, you did uh, years ago, you were practicing, you were a practicing lawyer and then suddenly you went, you know what, I, I want to just change tax slightly, but stay in the same industry. But you know, you see these headlines where people are just resigning en masse. I'd love to know what they're all doing because I'm quite jealous, but uh, it's an interesting one about how that's going to affect the law firm. Are they going to just ramp up their kind of uh, employment for junior lawyers or are they going to be more strategic and ho- and in terms of pinching lawyers from other firms? It's going to be really interesting over the next couple of years of how this goes through an average law firm, I think. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's why it's so important that firms are listening to their employees rather than sticking with old models that worked or, you know, trying to have a one size fits all approach. I think other generations possibly are voting with their feet. If I don't see the sort of firm that I want to work at with flexibility, with interesting work, with diverse people, et cetera, et cetera, I'm going to vote with my feet because there are other options, whether it's being more flexible and working for yourself, whether it's working for one of these lawyers on demand type of entities. I think firms maybe are going to have to work harder to retain their people, especially with you know lawyers. They are sceptical people. The fact that you've had a, I don't know, parents and carers forum during the pandemic to learn from people about, you know, what should we be doing to support you better, you know, in terms of your well-being through the pandemic, if that then switches off 
as a communication channel or actually you hear these things but you don't act on them i think people aren't stupid they can see the values of the firm lived out do you think that a firm who refuses to acknowledge and adopt you know these almost requests if you want to call it that will die yeah, well, who knows? At the Legal Geek conference, actually, in October, there was a person who did a um, a talk about the Great Resignation, and they were a recruitment consultant, and they were saying at that time, I don't know if it's still true, because it seems like a really fast-moving part of the industry, but saying that, obviously, the flexibility that firms were showing in terms of the days that they were requiring people to be in the office was a really decisive factor for candidates. And actually, they were saying at the time, three days in the office, that's a no, don't want to. Two days, fine, yes, I'll come and I can see the value of connecting with colleagues or whatever um, for a couple of days. So those points start to become important. How flexible are firms in terms of, you know, London firms thinking there's a really, really good candidate, they happen to live in Birmingham. Is that a problem? Am I going to hire them? Well, it's interesting that because, you know, the demands is it a buyer's market or a seller's market right now. And clearly it's a buyer's market in terms of making those demands. But I will say we had from personal experience, I'm going through a recruitment process at the moment. And we interviewed a chap not long ago, a candidate, uh, very good, really good, really liked the person, made an offer in the boundaries of what I was allowed to go to from the firm. And the call it demands that came over and above that were wildly out of scope, almost the point where, you know, we were one level below, I, I want bowls of red M&Ms every morning on my desk. And and I was like, no, the, the candidate was like, that's what I'm expecting now with the, with, well, I'm sorry, you have to go and expect that from someone else. And so there is this feeling when you speak to recruiters and, you know, in the employment world that, there's a balance that people haven't yet found, you know, about where this can go. If we were to look back over the last two years of this pandemic, knowing what you know now around how businesses operate, what would you do differently if you were to be the knowledge manager at law firm to advise that law firm uh, about the next couple of years? Yeah, no, it's an interesting one. I think law firms aren't necessarily brilliant at planning ahead as partnerships, you know, maybe partners aren't necessarily great at sort of envisaging themselves there in maybe 30 years time and and planning for the future. I think there'll be a different workforce in terms of Generation Z coming through. And there are lots of things that I think knowledge management teams will get involved in, in terms of how they're supporting their firms. So things like reduced paper rather than paper free. I don't think that's ever going to fly with um, lots of lawyers. But we did find during the pandemic that people were maybe starting to get on board with the slightly boring and not at all sexy exercise of getting your knowledge out of your cupboards and putting it onto a system, which felt like something that they uh, sort of got now uh, when you're not sitting next to your cupboards that you you do need to utilize the knowledge system and, and get things so that it's searchable online. So that was maybe a easier conversation to have post or during pandemic than pre. I think firms maybe will start to focus on their people more. So in terms of all of the things they've heard from people um, during the pandemic about you know, what flexibility they need, and therefore maybe a focus on, as KM teams, on onboarding people. How do you welcome people back from periods of extended leave? How do you prepare people for retirement um, in terms of harvesting knowledge before they leave? So maybe that sort of focus on people. 
I think the fact that firms are obviously advising their clients on ESG topics, so the environmental, social and governance topics, I think that will be a big driver in terms of change at law firms because it feels like they can't be out there advising clients when they haven't got their house in order or you know, talking to industry groups or putting content out um, when they haven't looked at their own house. So things like reducing paper, which is obviously sometimes helpful for, for knowledge people, you know, encouraging collaboration, that sort of thing will feed into how law firms work in future. Jenny, for someone who is listening to this podcast, who potentially is a lawyer thinking about moving slightly uh, in terms of their career projection, or someone who's in entering into this industry, how would you define knowledge management? So obviously, it would be an excellent career move for them first off. But I like the formulation, getting the right information to the right people at the right time. So I, I like that formulation because it smacks of efficiency. We're obviously focused our efforts on driving at being as helpful as possible to enable lawyers to do their jobs as effectively as possible. We're good at problem solving and very practical. And you know, knowledge people in law firms are often recovering lawyers like myself. So you understand the business, you understand how lawyers work, you're not creating solutions in a total vacuum. So that's my uh, take on what knowledge management is. Jenny, that has been really interesting today. And I think we've all had a nice sort of uh, time of reflection uh, over the last couple of years and, and hopefully learned some lessons to project us into the future in a positive way. So Jenny, thank you for your time today. And I wish you all the best in your new, uh, your new challenge. Thank you, Ben. It's been fun. Thanks very much for listening. That was our penultimate episode of our first season. In our next episode and final episode, we'll be speaking to Lucy Dillon. See you then. The Knowledge Series. For more information, go to legalsolutions.thompsonreuters.co.uk.